Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. How many of you can remember November 22nd, 1963? How many of you put your hands in the air? How many of you know where you were on November 22nd, 1963? Okay. I am so glad that this generation is here, okay? You all are the wisdom generation, right? You guys know things that we can only read about. You've experienced some things. And on Friday, November the 22nd, 1963, shortly after noon, while riding in an open motorcade through Dealey Plaza in downtown Dallas, Texas, Gunshots rang out, and President John F. Kennedy Kennedy was struck in the neck and head by two bullets. He was immediately rushed to a local hospital and was pronounced dead at 1 p.m., and in an instant, the city and our nation went from earthly joy to dark sorrow and confusion. Three days later on Sunday, November 25th, President Kennedy's body still lay in the casket at his funeral. And I want us to think about something. As that casket was going through our nation's capital, drawn by six horses and followed by a riderless horse, I want you to think about something. I want you to try to get yourself back to 1963. Some of, the, some of you who, are, who experienced it, go back there. The rest of us are going to just have to imagine it. But imagine if, while the procession was going, the horses suddenly stopped, and everything zeroed in on the casket that was draped by an American flag, and suddenly it began to open, and it was John F. Kennedy's hand pushing it up. He sits up, gets out of the casket alive, and he begins to speak. Would you listen to him? No doubt there would be many who would be skeptical skeptical, and wonder, okay, this thing was just staged from the beginning. But what if today... On April 21st, 2019, he still looked like that picture right there. Jackie is gone, as she is, but he still looks like that. And he hasn't aged a bit, and he cannot die. Would you vote for him at his reelection? You know, he had a 70 uh, rating, 70% rating. He was one of the most loved uh, presidents of our time. Let me ask you this. I said, would you vote for him? Should you? Should you follow him? The question is, what should you do? How should you respond to someone who has risen from the dead and cannot die? That's a question I want us all to be asking this morning. How should we respond to someone who has risen from the dead? Well, we know that President Kennedy did not rise from the dead. You can visit his gravesite at Arlington National Cemetery 
in Virginia. But there is one, there is one and only one who has indeed risen from the dead, and he cannot die again, and his name is Jesus. My question to to you this morning is, do you believe this? Do you believe this? You need to ask yourself, do you really believe what Scripture reveals? And like President Kennedy, Jesus was put to death on a Friday. But unlike President Kennedy, his story ends in a much better way. But before we go to the empty tomb, let's go to the events that led up to Jesus's morning, uh, before Jesus' morning resurrection. If you'll remember, after Jesus on Thursday, after he was betrayed by one of his closest companions and he was arrested, if you'll remember, there was great confusion and terror that went through the disciples, right? They all fled and went away. And I'm sure that they were so confused because just a few days earlier, and we've talked about this for the past few weeks, a few days earlier, he had entered into Jerusalem. The city was abuzz, excited. Everyone, except the rulers, were praising Jesus. The Messiah has come. We want to follow you. You are our man. He enters into the temple, and he does some things that no other man has done. He clears the temple with an authority that they had never seen. And not only that, but he stands up to the religious leaders and he puts them in their place. He silences them. On top of this, Jesus himself said, the hour has come. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What are they thinking? That's right. Messiah has finally come to do his thing. But just a few hours later, Friday morning, around 9 a.m., Jesus is hanging what appears to be helplessly on a cross. How can this be? How can a good, how can a good and loving God allow something like this to happen to an innocent man who has done nothing wrong. He didn't deserve this. You know, even Pontius Pilate, he was an evil Roman governor. Even he knew that Jesus was innocent. He declared it. He wanted to set him free. But he gave in, like many, to the crowds, and he turned his back on Jesus. You know, his disciples, his disciples who had walked with him for three years or so, they personally knew him. They knew that Jesus was a man of character. They knew that he was a man of his word and integrity. He spoke the truth. He always spoke the truth, but he spoke it in love. His tongue was used for life, not death, though many who he was trying to give life took it as death. Jesus lived his life to please God please God and God alone, and he genuinely cared about people. He didn't use people as stepping stones to get to where he was wanting to go. He actually lowered himself as a servant. And the deepest desire that Jesus had was that we would truly see God through him. He came to reveal who the Father is. That's what his desire was and still is today, that through him we would see who the Father is. 
He hated oppression. Jesus hated those who oppressed the weak. He was against the proud and self-righteous and domineering, but he stood for the weak and the wounded, the outcast and the sinners, and he called us, called them, he called us to himself. And many came, rich, poor, great, small. He didn't care who you were if you would come to him. And he taught us to love our enemies. But he didn't just teach it by his words, did he? He taught it by his life. That is the Jesus that the disciples knew, had come to know and love. And as he was hanging on the cross, I wonder what the disciples were thinking. One of my guesses is that they were probably thinking, okay, he's going to come down at some point. He is a righteous man. We've seen his power. We've seen him raise the dead. We've seen him calm storms. There is nothing that he cannot do. We know that God is with him, and we know that the Messiah is not going to die. We know that the Messiah is going to reign forever. At any moment, he's going to come down, and he's going to put these, all these mockers in their place. He's going to set them straight. And they waited for six, about six hours for Jesus to come down off of the cross. But as we know, he never did, at least not alive. And when he cried out with a loud voice, it is finished, and he gave up his spirit. And when the Roman guard thrust that spear into his side, and the scriptures say that blood and water came out, when that happened, when Jesus died, so did the hopes and dreams of the disciples. At least, they thought they had. They thought it was over. They believed it was over. Jesus wasn't coming down alive. And how could this be? How could this be? It had to have been one of the most confusing moments for the disciples. How could this be? They had invested everything into a man who had convinced them that he was the Son of God. Have you ever been convinced of something by someone only to find out later that that was not true? You've been tricked. You've been hoodwinked. That's, that must be what the disciples were feeling. But, and yet they knew what they had seen, what they experienced. He had claimed to be the Messiah, the King of Israel. They had risked it all for this man, and now he's dead. And in an instant, their lives went from joy to sorrow and confusion as they witnessed the dead body of Jesus being laid in Joseph's tomb and the huge stone rolled in front of the entrance. But, and that's where we're going to pick up today, Luke 24, but on the first day of the week. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn there. We're going to have it on the screen if you didn't. But let's follow along. This is the word of God. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They, speaking of the women who had followed Jesus, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, 
two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. And I want you to pay attention to a word here. He says, remember. Okay, this is going to be a theme through this passage right here. Remember. Remember how I've told our church that we don't remember well? You probably forgot that, (laughs) didn't you? We are a very forgetful people, right? And the angels say, remember, look, you are told to remember something you've already been told, right? Remember, I told you to clean your room, right? Well, these angels say, remember how he, speaking of Jesus, told you that while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man, here's what he told them, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, which had happened, and be crucified, which had happened, and on the third day, what? Rise. They hadn't heard. They had heard that. But they hadn't heard it. They didn't remember. And verse 8 says, and they what? Oh, yeah, they remembered. Yes, I remember his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. But look at verse 11. But these words seem to be an idle tale. The apostles did not believe the words that the ladies came. They came and they reminded him. Jesus said this was going to happen. But they don't believe. It says, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling. That means wondering, like, I wonder what just happened. Has that hit you yet? He did, he's like, what happened? The angel already told the ladies who told him. He goes and sees the tomb empty. He's like, what happened here? That very day, and this is, a, this is one of my favorite accounts of the resurrection. I can't wait to get into this because I, this section right here, verses 13 to the end of the chapter, is going to reveal a Jesus that I typically don't think about. It's going to reveal his personality. It's going to show us someone that a lot of times if you watch uh, videos, I grew up watching a, a movie called Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, I don't know if you guys, back in the 70s, they made this movie. And the Jesus that's in that movie is always... He is. He's like, I will rise. It's like, really? I mean, that's, but that's, that picture can be in our head. This passage, I want to encourage you, pay attention to this passage, because this is not the Jesus that is revealed in this passage. So that very day, two of them, speaking of his disciples, were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus, here it comes, himself drew near and went with them. How does he draw near? Not like the angels. He's not coming down like, boom, the resurrected Savior. He's coming down as an ordinary man. But their eyes, verse 16, were kept 
from recognizing him. That word kept means to be prevented from. Why were they prevented from knowing it was Jesus? Some might say, it's, uh, I read something where it said that it may be because they were walking into the sunset and they couldn't see clearly. I don't think that's very credible. Another is maybe they were just you know, so sad with sorrow they weren't expecting to see him. But that word prevented is actually an action that happened. And, and I like the way that the New Living Translation translated. It says, but God kept them from recognizing him. Jesus does not want to be revealed yet, okay? He wants to, he's going to blow their minds. Don't you like your minds to be blown? Some of y'all look at me like, huh, what you talking about? Don't you, I don't mean in a bad way, not like, hey, dad, I wrecked the car. Not that kind of mind blowing. But have you ever had your mind blown like this cannot be? He's going to do that with his disciples. So he, he causes them to be blind, He's setting them up for a mind-blowing, life-changing, dramatic encounter. In verse 17, it says, And Jesus said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? Did Jesus know what they were talking about? Yes, of course he did. He's resurrected Savior. He knows what's going on. And they stood still looking sad. They are standing still looking gloomy. Why are they sad? They've heard the good news. They don't have to be sad. They've heard that Jesus is alive. But they are in a dark prison and don't realize that the door is unlocked. They've been told the door is unlocked. He's alive, but they don't believe it. They won't press against that door. You know, and sometimes that can be us, can't it? Sometimes we can be in dark dungeons, and it's our own fault because we won't believe the word of God. And they've been given the truth, but they still don't believe that Jesus has been risen from the dead. Verse 18 says, Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? That's our, uh, a modern-day translation would be, Have you been living under a rock? <laughs> right? And, you know, Jesus would probably be like, Well, actually, there was a big rock in front of uh, the tomb. It's rolled away now, but... But the point is this, these disciples are like, look, this is a public event. The Apostle Paul, years later, um, in Acts 26, he says that this crucifixion was not done in a corner. God made sure that it was very public, that those in Jerusalem knew something amazing was happening. And so they're like, you don't know what's happening, you must be a visitor And Jesus continues in verse 19. He said, what things? What what, what are you talking about? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. But we had hoped. See that? We had put our hope in him. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. See, he, they heard the gospel. 
They heard the good news. They had heard his words. But they had not exercised their faith in what Jesus had told them even before it happened. Verse 24 says, Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, Oh, foolish ones. You know what he's calling them there? What's he calling them there? Fools. I'm not going to do that to y'all, but Jesus is like, oh, foolish ones. And slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's pointing back again to the word of God. Okay? Notice that he hasn't revealed himself yet. He hasn't shown himself to be who he is. He's pointing them back to what is written. Okay, this is very important for us to understand as a church. Our church is not built upon experiences, primarily, as it is the Word of God, what has been written, and the experiences that are revealed in the Word of God and through the Word of God. We have to be careful that we don't build our lives upon experiences. Now, they do happen. I'm not denying that. We believe in miracles. We believe the Spirit is at work. But before that, we have to look at what Jesus pointed his disciples to, and it was back to the words of the prophets and to Moses. He says, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Now, when it came to the glory part, the disciples totally understood the glory part. Ever since they were little itty-bitty children, the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis, had taught them, listen, Messiah is coming. We are oppressed right now, but the Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he is going to come in glory. He is going to crush oppression. He is going to remove anyone that is unrighteous out of the kingdom. And those who are righteous and who have followed the Messiah, they will go in with him and reign. That is a teaching that the Messiah saw in the Old Testament. Which is true. That is so true. The Messiah was coming. He has come, but at this point, he was coming. So they had gotten that part right. They had followed Jesus primarily, I believe, because they believed that Jesus was going to come and crush the enemies. Now, he did come to crush enemies. The only problem is they were not realizing the enemies that needed to be crushed. They got the the ruling part, but the suffering part, the dying part, the Messiah is not supposed to die. He's supposed to remain forever. And maybe they were asking Jesus, why can't we just go ahead and reign? Why can't you just come and remove all those those unrighteous people out of the kingdom, right? So we, the righteous ones, can start reigning. And I think Jesus would answer, because if I came and overthrew all the wicked you would be in that number. Right? Self-righteousness blinds us, doesn't it? we got to be careful, man. Sometimes when I was, I've been in church for, well, my whole life, but I can remember, I used to pray, Lord, this morning, if there's anybody here that needs you, okay, I'm saying like, 
outside, you know, these sinners that need you. I used to pray like that until the Lord was like, yeah, James, you need me. Even though you've already believed in me, right? You need me to wash your feet on a regular basis. But Jesus said, you know, if I come and overthrow the wicked, I'll have to overthrow you and I'll be left alone to rule in a kingdom where I'm by myself because there's only one righteous, and that is Jesus. Why did their Messiah need to suffer and die before entering into his glory? Well, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he became sin who, what, knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. The Messiah had to die not for his sins, but for his people's sins that we might be made righteous and that we might be able to enter into the kingdom where only righteousness reigns. In verse 27, it says, In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted or he explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The entire Bible points to Jesus. He wanted, again, he wanted them to be grounded in the word of God before he blows their minds. Okay, he's going to blow their minds in just a minute. But he wants them to be grounded in the word of God. And so he goes back into the Old Testament and he points out blood sacrifice. I wish we had more time to do that this morning. We're not going to. But he pointed out blood sacrifice. It began back in Genesis chapter 3 when God killed an animal to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve when they sinned. Their nakedness had to be covered by, the, by something that had died. And it goes all the way through Old Testament blood sacrifices. There was a price to pay for sin. These disciples knew that there was a price to pay for sin. They had seen it their whole lives in the temple. Sheep after sheep, bull after bull being killed for sin. The only thing is they didn't realize that the sin sacrifice that they needed for eternal forgiveness was the Messiah that they were waiting for. And Jesus came, and he was the holy, perfect, spotless Lamb of God, who gave himself for his disciples. For God so loved the world that he gave his only precious begotten son, that whoever believes in his sacrifice, whoever believes in him, will not perish, but have everlasting life. And I love verses 28 through 31 because they give us a window again into the personality of Jesus. It says, so they drew near to the village to which they were going. So they're almost done with their trip. Jesus has been talking to them. They must have, they were eating it up. And I love that it says he, what? Acted. You know what that word acted is? Pretended. He wasn't going nowhere. He was, act, do y'all get what I, do y'all feel what I'm feeling with this? He's pretending like he knows he has them. He knows that they're not going to let him go. It says, verse 29, But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and here he comes. He vanished. <laughs> I 
I'm telling you, if I vanished right now, it would blow your mind. And I love, I'm going to insert a little bit here. This may not be in the scripture, so don't memorize it. Verse 32 said, they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us like as we talked, as he talked to us on the road? Like, I knew it was Jesus the whole time. No, but the word of God, the words of the word of God, the message of the scriptures, that is what Jesus was getting at. To build upon his word, what has been written, what has been handed down to us. That is what God wants us to first and foremost get into our inner man, our inner beings, to be grounded in the truth so that when the experiences are not there, we will continue to move forward. That's what this passage is teaching. And so their gloom goes to Zoom because it says, what does it say right there? It says, verse 33, and they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. They were tired, right? They, ah, can't go another step. Now they're wide awake. Their hearts are on fire. They're like... uh, getting back to Jerusalem probably half the time that it took them to get, go down to where they, where they were headed, right? Why? Because they had experienced the resurrected Savior. They had seen the truth. And instead of, and, and instead of going, oh, no, they went to, oh, yes, we have got to tell somebody. That is the response of anyone who experiences Jesus. It opens your heart and your mouth to want to talk about what Jesus has done. We joyfully become his witnesses when we experience the risen Savior. If you're here this morning and that's not fresh in you, it may be, once again, that you need to experience afresh the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the person of himself. It says, and they found, as once they got to Jerusalem, they found the eleven disciples and those who were with them gathered together and the disciples the 11 said the lord has risen indeed and has appeared to simon so these two come into the room the 11 come back to him and go listen you guys you won't believe this jesus has shown himself to peter and they're like i can't wait to share what jesus has done in my life right and so they go Where are we at here? Then they told what, verse 35, what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Listen, if you got around those two disciples after this event, what do you think they would be talking about the rest of their life? They couldn't help but talk about Jesus. This is a picture to me, I think, of how the church should be. The disciples are sharing what Jesus has done in their life, and they're sharing back and forth. That's part of this gathering, that we would come together. And next week, by God's grace, we're going to be in John chapter 15, talking about abiding in him and bearing much fruit. This is part of that abiding right now, to stir one another up. And that's what happens in this room. Think of the excitement and the joy that they were experiencing together. Verse 36 says, as they were talking about these things, it gets even better. Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. 
And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. It was a bodily resurrection, okay? Jesus bodily rose from the dead. He was touchable. Touch and see. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved, but this time, why? For joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. Have you ever uh, been so blown away by something that you're like, this, this can't really be happening? Something, I'm talking about something good. A few weeks ago, um, we went to eat dinner at, at some, uh, some friend's house who wanted to have our family over. I'd never been over to their house. And as we're driving uh, over there, we're driving in a, a neighborhood. I was like, oh, you know what? When, uh, when I was uh, back in third grade, I used to come over. My best friend used to live here. So we're driving, and GPS keeps, goes right up the driveway of, the, of my old best friend's house. And I'm sitting there going... No way. This is crazy. So we, oh, I get out of the car, and the family comes out to greet me. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. I literally walk past them. I'm, I cannot believe this. So we go inside, and that my family told me that I looked like a third-grade boy because I was having all these memories of, of, as a child. And I had spent the night there. We played football in the front yard, and, and we stayed up late and, and drove his parents crazy. And And... I remember I was just smiling the entire, I could not stop smiling. I was like, this cannot be. How much more? The resurrected Jesus standing in the room. They're not believing because they don't believe. They just can't believe how awesome this is. And the, re- the risen Savior shows himself to them. There is, there is a life. There is an excitement. And then in verse 44, he said, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you. These are my words. See, he goes back to his words while I was still with you. I want you to believe that's what he's saying. He said that everything written about me in the law of Moses and prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. We need to ask the Lord, God, open our minds. We cannot understand this without your spirit. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations. There's the good news. Do you need forgiveness this morning? Are you in a place right now where you are covered in guilt and shame? Here's the good news. Jesus suffered for you according to this passage. He suffered And on the third day, he rose again so that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be granted and proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Are you struggling with sin? Are you struggling with guilt? Listen, Jesus died to set you free from sin. If you will turn from your sin, turn to him. He has already paid for it, cast it upon him. He's already paid for it. Verse 48 says, you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending you the promise of my Father upon you, the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them 
and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Can you imagine? And were continually in the temple blessing God. They didn't go to church because they had to. They couldn't leave because they were so alive and so excited about what they had witnessed and seen and experienced. And they were believing the word of God. And their lives went from being self-centered worshipers to Christ-centered, God-exalting worshipers. That's what the gospel does when we truly get it. And we get, there's some days I get it more than others. We have to be renewed. It's not a one-time, now it is a one-time thing as far as your salvation, but the renewal of the truths must be continually made alive in us. I die daily. I come to the cross daily. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me this day my daily bread that I might know you, that I might serve you, that I might experience you, that you might live in me and through me. What kind of church will we be as we all seek to to live our lives in that form? It will not be us, but Christ in us, through us, to his glory. And, you know, I started this message by saying, you know, if John F. Kennedy rose from the dead, would you listen to him? The answer would be, should be yes. He didn't. And he won't. Not yet. But there is one who has risen from the dead. And he's risen for our benefit. He has not come he does not want to judge. He will, but he's not. His, his offer for mercy still is open to all who will come to him, bow their knee and say, you are the Lord. I believe in you. I receive what you did for me on the cross. Where are you at today? Do you believe in the resurrection? And I mean, do you believe in a way that there's proof, that there's evidence of a changed transformed life not your per you're not perfect but you are moving you are growing you're going in a healthy life-giving direction if you don't let me give you the words the angel said do not seek the living among the dead jesus is alive believe put your faith in the res- resurrected savior and live amen Amen. Let's pray.